Well, hi. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Who, uh, who traveled far today, or this week? We got a lot of travelers. Everybody make it back okay? I have to uh, brag a little bit. Uh, I guarantee that we had the best Thanksgiving meal of anybody in the room because I deviated course and I said that if we're going to host, I'm not cooking turkey. I have this kind of thing against Thanksgiving food. And so we cook beef, beef tenderloin and I just need to like humble brag a little bit for you this morning. Um, so if you want to come to our house next year for Thanksgiving, we'd love to have you. Um, we'll work out the budget on all that later, but we, uh, we had a good one. We had a good one. I hope you did too. My favorite kind of it's funny to see the ways that you talk about your holiday week as you come in the doors. And like 40 of you walked in. And I was like, hey, how was your Thanksgiving week? And you're like, oh, it was really good. <gasps> Boy, did I eat too much. And it's like there was this script of everybody that walked in the door talking about all the food they ate. It's always funny to see uh, how you think about and talk about your holiday week. But I hope you did have a good Thanksgiving. And today is a good day, and I'm glad we get to be together this morning. If you're joining us for the first time in a month, we have been talking about generosity. For four weeks, we have been talking about generosity, and we think it's important to talk about generosity because uh, a lot of people talk about money. And a lot of places will tell you how to think about money and how to feel about money, but very few places talk about the subject of generosity and maybe the best way to act with your money. And we think that at the heart of Christianity and at the heart of the Christian life, is generosity. You know, we sang it in the song, For God So Loved That He Gives His Son. This is the core of the Christian message. Jesus coming, giving His life to us so that we can have life, right? It's about giving and completely and fully. And we think that that should translate into the ways that we live our lives. And so we wanted to look at what does the Bible have to say about how to think and feel and act as it relates to generosity. And that's been the movement of this series, whether you kind of recognize this is what we've tried to do or not, is we started in the head. What do we need to think about our money and our stuff and our time and our talents? How do we need to think about generosity? And what we said was that generosity is not a destination, but it's an orientation. Because if you wait to get to a place where you feel generous, or you get to a place where you can be generous, or you believe that you can be generous, it'll never come. Because those goalposts keep moving, and that kind of the line that you need to cross to then you can say, oh, I can be generous, or that season that you need to get out of so that you can be in a new one, it'll never come. And then, to move us from a place of thinking about generosity was, what do we need to feel in our hearts about generosity? And last week we talked about kind of what we treasure most and what our treasure says about what we trust most. And so one of the ways that we need to kind of change and reorient our heart around generosity is to really evaluate and inventory what it is that we treasure most of all. And if we really trust God, then it allows us to be and to live generous lives. And so today is kind of the last of the set and of the series, and it's a practical message because it goes from head to heart to eventually hands. And so at the end of this service, we'll culminate in a giving moment, a generosity moment, where we invite you to come down as a church and to make your commitments for the upcoming year. And so if you're here this morning and you got caught off guard by this, uh, we're just glad you're here. 
Don't feel obligated that you have to shuffle forward with everybody else. But if this is your church home, we do want to invite you forward later in this service. But really today, we're going to conclude with kind of the way that we started. And the way that we started was looking at a passage of scripture that is kind of the longest treatment on money and generosity in in all of the Bible. This is a couple of chapters in a letter that Paul writes to a church in Corinth. And just to remind you, to jog your memory, what's happening in this context is that there's a church in Corinth who's wealthy and affluent, and they are supposed to be sending money for some struggling churches in Jerusalem. And Paul is sending out letters, and he's trying to make sure that all of the people get all of the money from all of the different churches, and they pool it together so that they can take care of this church in Jerusalem. And this is what they're after. They try to provide for the needs of those people who are in Jerusalem because they're navigating a famine. And Paul gets kind of all of the money from all of the different churches, and the money from the church in Corinth, it never shows up. And so he kind of sends this letter on, and he's like, listen, I'm just checking in on the check that you were supposed to mail. We never got it. I don't know if you misaddressed it or, you know, what happened to it, but maybe it got lost in transit, but the money never came. And so I'm just checking in on you because we've had some incredibly generous churches, and I just want to tell you about what they've done, knowing that in good faith it will do something and move the needle in you. And the way that Paul kind of ended the section that we talked about is he said, listen, this is not a, an order or a command. I'm not forcing you to do this. But your willingness to participate in this is kind of a test of your heart and of your treasure and of the ways that you think and feel and believe about the gospel. And so we're going to pick up today with kind of the second half of what Paul says to this church. Because I think it's helpful to instruct and inform how we can participate today and how we can go on to continue to live generous lives in the future. So this is what Paul says. He says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. So not only is he sending a letter ahead just to check in on the status of the payment, but he sent an advance team ahead just to just kind of hang outside the doors and just kind of wait around and loiter a little bit, hoping that maybe that would prompt the church to say, hey, yeah, maybe we need to, this would be like if yesterday afternoon I just kind of paid a visit, just knocked on the door and said, hey, I, I just wanted to remind you, commitment Sunday's tomorrow. Hey, I don't need you to do anything today. I just wanted to let you know that I'm here and available. If you have any questions, if you want to check in about any of this, this is what Paul does. And so he sends this team ahead and he says, I just wanted to make sure that You had notice so that you could begin to think about how you're going to participate in this act of generosity. And this is what he says. And he says, the reason that I told you in advance is so that it will, you'll be ready as a generous gift. That you can prepare in advance, anticipate what's going to happen, and start to prepare it as a generous gift. And then the contrast is not as one grudgingly given. Because this is the whole reason none of us like talking about money in church. Just to dispel any misconceptions, pastors don't love talking about money at church either. Like, because we know that there is kind of some cynicism and some skepticism around the ways that people talk about money in churches as tools and tactics to manipulate and to coerce and to twist your arm and to try to compel you 
to do something that maybe that you otherwise weren't going to do. That's not what we're about here. And Paul knows this. Paul knows that like we've all been kind of strong-armed into participating in something or writing a check or supporting a cause that we weren't really behind and we didn't really care about or believe in, but we just felt guilty or bad or just wanted them to get off our porch. And so it was just easier to write the check, right? He says, listen, this is not what we're about. Like the goal is not the gift. The goal is not the gift. The goal is a generous heart. And however that translates, that's fine. But what Paul's after in this letter to the church in Corinth and what we're after today is that we would be people with generous hearts. And however that translates, okay, that's fine. It's not to make sure that there are a certain number of digits and commas or whatever it may be. It's to make sure that, hey, I'm, and Paul speaking, is not trying to coerce this church into giving a gift begrudgingly, but rather that it will be an overflow of their generosity. It will come from this deep place within their heart that recognizes that by being generous, they're able to participate in the way that God is at work in the world, that God started this whole thing through an act of generosity. And so when we respond in generous ways, we participate with God. And so he goes on and he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, this is, again, one of those passages. There's like three here in a row in this particular section of writing that is often kind of pointed to as like, see, the way they're trying to coerce you and the way that they're trying to get you to think differently about money and they're going to kind of lay the guilt on thick here. Well, uh, I don't know if, if y'all kind of have this at your house, but a couple of weeks ago, we plant the winter rye. You know, we throw the seed down for the winter rye. And so the guy who takes care of our lawn, Raphael, he was, uh, he had bags and he's just like scattering it. Just, and I was watching him and I was like, it didn't seem to make any sense, like the way that he was just like dumping it everywhere. And I was like, couldn't we be a little more efficient with the seeds? Like, couldn't we be like a little more judicious with how, it was like he just closed his eyes and just spun the bag. I mean, it's not what he was doing, but that's what it looked like from inside the house. Keynote, I was inside the house, not the one actually doing the work. And he knows what he's doing and I don't, which is why I call him. But he's like taking handfuls and scattering the seed and some of it falls on the concrete and some of it, you know, gets in between. But Raphael knows something that I don't know or don't know about winter rye seed that Paul's trying to connect us to. It's like, the only way to experience abundance is with abundance. And this is not a, if you give this, then God will give this. This is not what this passage is saying. That's not what Paul is trying to do. He's not trying to say, if you can hit a certain limit, it's going to trigger God's generosity clause back to you, right? We've heard that preached in church before, maybe, where if you can do this, then God will do this, like it's an equation and a contract that you are participating and agreeing to enter into with God. And so for some of us, we've been generous and we're like, all right, God, the check must have gotten lost in the mail because this doesn't seem to be happening for me the way that people have talked about it. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. What Paul's inviting us into, what Paul's inviting this church into is a different way of living in the world. Because when you engage in generosity, 
it comes from a place often of recognizing that first, you were the recipient of abundant generosity yourself. That's what kind of changes the way that you hold stuff. That's the trigger that shifts in your mind. When you realize how much that you have been given, how much that you have received, how much that you have already been the recipient of abundance, it's like, yeah, I can do this because I'm a part of a larger system. Practically speaking with church, this has been my story. Maybe this has been your story. My life has been dramatically changed by local church after local church after local church. I grew up in great local churches who invested in me, who taught me the stories of the faith and the scriptures of the faith, hopefully so that I wouldn't depart from them when I got older. And then when I got older, I departed from them and did a hard left into the ditch in college and then stumbled into another local church that embraced me and that a pastor took me under his wing, that invested in me and that helped me identify my call to ministry. And then I kind of stumbled into seminary and bumped into another local church that took me in and showed me what was possible in ministry and gave me opportunity to begin to develop any sense of skill or talent or ability. And then the opportunity to be a part of this church. Like I am probably the most obvious recipient of all of the ways that God uses people's generosity and abundance in a church context. My hope and prayer is that you feel that too, whether it's been specifically at this church or a variety of churches along your faith journey. And I believe that's true here because I read the prayer requests every week. And I know that so many of you are trusting in ministries that happen here, the prayers that are prayed on your behalf and on the behalf of your loved ones knowing that you receive as well. And this is what Paul's after. He says, listen, we are such recipients, ultimately of the gift of Jesus, but on a very practical and local level, we're we're all recipients of this abundance and generosity. And so because we're recipients, we have to keep it going. We have to also make sure that others get to be recipients as well. Just practically speaking, that's why I and my family give to the church because we've been beneficiaries of other people who have given to the church. And we want that for everybody. And so Paul goes on and he gives some instruction about how people should give. And he says, each of you should give. And then he kind of sets up a series of criteria for people to think about and to interact with in terms of how they want to give and how they should kind of engage generosity. He's listening, given all that I've already said, here's how you need to approach giving. And this is, I think, good guidance for us this morning. Here's the first one. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. This is why we started the conversation a month ago. This is why we sent letters in the mail trying to prompt the beginning of a reflection and kind of a prayerful discernment over what it is that God's putting on your heart, your family's hearts to give. Because we know this takes time. This is why there was no surprise for most of you that today's Commitment Sunday. Because this is something that should be done thoughtfully and prayerfully. It's an act of faith, it's an act of trust, and it's an act of obedience. And so to just spring it on you would feel like coercion. 
And so we wanted to give space. We wanted to talk about the practical implications of generosity and how we need to think and to feel and to respond to it. And Paul says, this is what's important, is that you have to decide in your heart. This goes back to what we talked about last week. What is it that you treasure most? What is it that you're putting your trust in? And if it's your money and your resources, it's going to be really hard to let that go. But if your ultimate trust and your ultimate treasure is Christ and what God can do in your life and is doing in your life, then it changes the way that we think about all that we've been entrusted, all of the ways that God has given to us and we're temporary stewards and so it changes the way that we can let go and give back to God. And he goes on. He says, you've decided in your heart how to give and not to do it reluctantly or under compulsion. If there's a reluctance for you in giving, then it goes back to the first step. What's in your heart? What's, what is God trying to say to you and to speak to you about what it is that you treasure and value most? And so how can you make a decision that you have peace about in your heart that you can then entrust to give generously and openly? And then the last piece is for God loves a cheerful giver. Now this is probably that phrase that gets most uh, misappropriated to the context of compulsion and coercion in church, right? Well, God loves a cheerful giver, so go ahead and lock the doors and pass the plates around three times until we fill them up, right? There's no locked doors this morning. In fact, they're open. Um, But this is not what Paul is trying to do. He's not trying to coerce you, coerce them into doing that fake smile, you know, like on Christmas when you get the gift that you don't really know why they got you, but everybody's staring at you and they're kind of waiting for you to like respond to the gift. You're like, thank you so much. I love it. This is kind of oftentimes how I think about that phrase, God loves a cheerful giver. You're like, here you go, God. Oh, I wish I wasn't doing that. It's not what, it's not what he's after here. It's not what he's trying to do. But really that word in Greek that gets translated as cheerful is a combination of two words that I think are really, really important for us today. It's a combination of the word joyful and a combination of the word willing. Willing and joyful. If we could just as a church get that piece right, willingly and joyfully give our time, our talents, our treasures, like the impact that we could make. This is why we have space in our services like Commitment Sunday. This is why we have the bicycle tree in the back for CASA. This is why we partner with organizations like Men of Nehemiah because we want to create opportunities that we can willingly and joyfully give back because we think that this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to engage in a generous life. And this is at the heart of a generous life, a willful and a joyful generosity. And so Paul says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. My hope is that this morning, here in a moment, when we invite you forward, you've done that. If not, there will be space to reflect, to pray, and to decide. And if you're still not ready, that's okay. All this can be done online and you can just symbolically attach your commitment card 
appear to this sign here in a moment. And then you can go back and make a thoughtful, prayerful decision about how to give and what God has placed on your heart to give. Because we don't want it to be coercion and we don't want you to feel forced into this. That's not what we're after. Again, this isn't about the gift, but it's about the heart behind the gift. Joyful and willing. In week one of this series, we talked about the different types of givers. Now, what I didn't share is this list comes from this passage that Paul has shared with us and that we just read through. But this is kind of the three levels of, of giving that we talked about last week. A convenient giver, a committed giver, and a contagious giver. So in week one, we broke down each of these levels. A convenient giver, a committed giver, and a contagious giver. Just to remind you, a convenient giver, this is somebody who gives out of what is left over. Once you pay the bills, once you buy the things on Black Friday super sale that you wanted to buy, that you've been waiting for to come on sale, once you spend all of the money in all of the places that you want to spend it, well, then you kind of look around and figure out, okay, what do we have left? And this is typically motivated by, by guilt or obligation. And this is, again, what we are trying to move you away from. This is not how we want us to participate in the generosity that's available to us. That's not what it means to be generous, is to be forced into doing it, you know, with kind of this begrudging gift that you kind of grin and bear it and white knuckle your way through it. It's not what we're after. What we want is to move to a deeper level, to move from a convenient giver to a committed giver. That's what Commitment Sunday is about, is to set aside your time and your talent and your treasure so that we can give to others and understand the purpose and the significance of giving back to God. This is why we sing songs like, for God so loved the world and trust it all because we recognize that we are a part of something much bigger and greater than ourselves of which we are the recipients. And then the last, and this is where I hope we all move to, where I want myself and my family to move to, some of you may already be there or are moving towards it, but this is ultimately the place we all want to be because this is at the core of a generous life, is a contagious giver. These are people who have discovered the joy of giving generously, and they look for additional opportunities to bless, bless others and invest in God's work in the world. I love that phrase, discover the joy of giving generously. We experience that in brief moments, don't we? Maybe parents, you feel this way about a certain gift that your child is like dying to have or wanted so badly for Christmas because you get excited about the anticipation of their receiving the gift. And so you have this brief window and moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to give them this because I know how badly they want it and they long for it. And then you kind of get to see the elation in the moment, whether it's a birthday or just a special occasion or it's Christmas or whatever it is. Or maybe kind of in the dating kind of realm when you're like starting to build kind of that relationship and you're like, oh, this is kind of the first, I'm making a first big step in our relationship and I'm gonna gift them this thing or this experience or this whatever it may be and you get excited in anticipation of, that's that brief glimpse and that brief joy of giving generously. It like does something inside of you. This is what Paul's wanting for all of us. He says this is at the core of what it means to be a generous heart and a generous person is to be excited, to 
to joyfully and willingly give. And this is where I hope we all end up and where I pray that we as a church move to, that we continue to delight and to take advantage of opportunities to give generously. Now, my, one of my favorite things about the gift trees that we do every year is they, the organizations that we partner with, and particularly in this instance, CASA, they always kind of, could y'all, and they're kind of hesitant to make the ask because they don't want to over-ask. And it's, we're always like, listen, by the end of the first Sunday that we announce this, this, will be, this tree will be like picked empty. Like, don't worry. Like, we have a church that loves the opportunity to be generous. That's not true everywhere. That's not true everywhere in the world. My guess is you know and you have spaces and places in your life where that's not true. Family members where you know that's not true. They're stingy and miserly as it comes to generosity. But here it is. And the impact that it makes in the lives of the recipients, the kids who will wake up on Christmas morning to all of those bicycles, or to the men down at the men of Nehemiah who are reminded time after time that there are people in this world who love them, who see them, and who, who are there for them. To the families here at the church who recognize that they're a part of an actual church family in a community. This isn't just some nameless, faceless institution that's been around for a long time that people pass in and out of like one of those kind of turnstiles. This is a community of people who love and care about each other and who are here to love and to care about each other as best they can. This is what we hope happens here. And this is where Paul kind of ends the whole letter in this treatment of generosity with this church. He says there's going to be two effects of your generosity. And this is what he says. This service that you perform, the gift that they're planning to give, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, taking care of those who are the recipients of the generosity, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because that's ultimately the net effect, is you have people who experience your generosity through the ministries of this church. And like scripture says, they see your good deeds and give glory to their Father in heaven. Ultimately, that's what it's about. God partners with us to work in the world. And so our generosity is an opportunity to continue to partner with all of the ways that God is at work and wants to be at work in the world. Over the last month and a half, we asked several of you to just share a little bit about the ways that this church has blessed you, the ways that the generosity that has come into this place and the ways that it has flowed through the ministries here at the church have made a difference in your life and in your family's life. And so I just want to share a little bit of those words with you this morning. The Grove exemplifies the character of Christ, and it's something you encounter from the moment you step on campus. We are so thankful that we found The Grove. We have such a sense of belonging. We are always welcomed with smiles and hugs. We are so grateful for The Grove for guiding us on this incredible journey. We love the community at The Grove. Not just for us, but for our kids too. 
We met families to grow with and faith at the Grove. The trust I have in the leadership. They are so relatable, provide guidance based on God's word and practical actions that bring my relationship with God to my daily life. I'm thankful that we found the Grove to bring our children up in an environment that teaches them about God in a practical manner that they can understand. In fact, I think what I love the most about the Grove is seeing my three kids run from the parking lot to church to see their friends and to just be welcomed with open arms like all of us when we arrive on Sunday. I've been going to the Grove for two years. It's been a very good time. One thing I love about the Grove kids is the teachers are really nice. The message on Sunday gives us the opportunity to live a fulfilled life with Christ. It's just a great place. It's a home place and it's family. Walking into the Grove on any given Sunday is like coming home. And we look forward to growing in our faith with the like-minded people at the Grove. We've seen our family grow spiritually over the last six years. We all have a sense of purpose and belonging, and that truly means everything to our family. We love the Grove. We all have some version of this story. For some of you, this story started on day one, and you have been here ever since. For others of you, you've joined along the way, and so this has been your church home for years. And maybe some of you, you're new, or you feel new, and it's only been a couple of months or weeks. But what we're doing here matters. It matters to all of the people that walk through those doors and who are recipients of the ministries of this church. And so in a moment, I'm going to invite you forward. And very practically speaking, I just want to share a little bit about how this will work. We'll invite you to come down these diagonal aisles. This is this aisle here and this aisle here. We'll invite you to come down with your commitment cards. If you don't have one, we have ushers who will be willing to hand you one. But we ask you to fill out the commitment card and place it in the envelope. And then we have these push pins over on either side and just find a spot on the board and just stick it in. And what we'll see and what we'll find is that in the same way that all of our lives have kind of created this collage that represents this church, so will our generosity. In the same way that God uses all of our gifts to cover this place and to bless each one of us. And so as you think about 2024 and all of the ways that we want God to move and to work in this place, I hope that you'll decide in your heart what it is that God is prompting you to give. My prayer would be that God nudges you and moves you to a deeper level of giving and generosity than maybe you've held or shared previously. And if you're not ready to make a decision today, just put your name down. Fill out the card. You don't have to put an amount. And we'll let you circle back with us and let us know what you've decided later. Because again, there's no coercion. We don't want any begrudging gifts. What we want this to be, though, is an overflow of all of the ways that God has already blessed us. And all of the ways that God is blessing us. So that we can, in turn, give that same gift to other people. This is the way that it's always meant to work. There's always enough. We just have to be willing to share it. And so I'm going to say a prayer over this moment. And here's what we'd invite you to do. If you need time to 
at your seats to pray and to think about it, take it. So as you feel led, we'll invite you to come down these diagonal aisles, take your push pin, put it, your commitment card on this board. If you've got your connect cards or your morning's offering, we have baskets on either side. You can drop those off as, as you do as well. And then if you'll just return back to your seats up this center aisle, try to keep an easy pattern of traffic flow so that everybody can make their way up front. And if for you today's not the right day, just come down and touch the board, say a prayer. Families, this is an awesome opportunity for you to gather as a family up here and to maybe say a short prayer over your gift. Like, God, use these gifts to bless others. Or, God, thank you for blessing us. May we be a blessing to others. Just something that you can do as a family, as a part of this larger church family. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll invite you to come forward. Gracious God, you are the giver of all of the good things in our life. God, as we come off a week filled with thanksgiving and gratitude, help us to not let go of that spirit and sense, to recognize just how much we have received and just how much you have given to us. God, allow that to impact our hearts so that we can begin to respond in a generous way. God, we ask that you take these gifts that are being prepared to be given in this moment and that you bless them, that this would be an overflow of all of the ways you have been generous to all of us so that we can continue to serve your people in this world. God, thank you for this church and for the people who make it. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.